All right, hello, and welcome to Totem Talks, episode nine. Yeah, I guess you're right. We're yeah, up to we're nine. we're getting there. That's very exciting. Uh, so, for those of you who know what Totem Talks is, welcome back. And if you have no idea, welcome. Yes, glad to have <laughs> you. Are a local Bucks County cover band called Low Totem, and we have taken it upon ourselves to judge and grade and give a little background and deep dive into multiple musical artists. Almost all of them Almost at some point. Almost all of them, <laughs> and then uh, compare and contrast them and come up with a list and share that list with you, our our fans. Yes, our the legions. Fans. Yes, the legions. Hello, one mm. guy in the back. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, I'm Pat. I'm the lead singer of Low Totem. I'm Nick. I play guitar, piano, and sing for Low Totem. And I am Tyler. I am in charge of getting all the Low Totem malware onto everyone's computers <laughs> through <laughs> podcasting. Also known as our albums. <laughs> yeah. It's all just malware. It's right. All of That's what this podcast is. Your phone is broken. Okay. Cool. So, uh, in our typical fashion, we've chosen three musical artists for this episode. You would like to know who they are, right? Yeah, I think they would. Nick. Okay, so we're going to start things off with uh, Strawberry Alarm Clock. We're going to keep on rolling with the Lemonheads, and then in a great missed opportunity to not go with a third fruit-themed band, Yes, we will finish things out with Stevie Ray Vaughan and Double and, Trouble. And because I love to bring Nick up, and <laughs> I love to, to really make him feel better, I will tell you it was his fault. Yeah. that he scheduled this that episode was, uh, and we had already done the cranberries mm-hmm. at that point. I know. I really screwed the pooch. I was willing to talk about them again just so we had the theme. Yeah, but no, I wouldn't. Nick said that would be repetitive and boring in our first 10 episodes and I agreed with him. Yeah, oh, well, thank goodness. I was waiting for the part <laughs> where you're going to bring me up. So. Okay. Uh, let's move on to Strawberry Alarm Clock. We'll start with them. What's they their deal? They are a psychedelic rock band they were formed in 1967 in Glendale, California. Uh, they're best known for their hit single "Incense and Peppermints," uh, which, which skyrocketed we'll about on to their the Billboard album, number one spot. "Incense and Peppermints." Uh, so they were active uh, in throughout the late 60s, and then again in the mid 70s, and then again from 82 till present day. Okay, so but on and off for good old SAC. Yeah. So first things first. If you are trying to listen along and you're oh. trying to find incense and peppermints, oh so either Wikipedia or Apple is wrong. There's a compilation album called Incense and Peppermints, and then there's their first studio album of the same name. On Apple, the studio album from 1967 is labeled as 1990, and the compilation is labeled as 1967. And this it's, confused us, and we listened to all of them is, because of it this. It is, in fact, Apple that's wrong. Yeah, okay. The discerning factor is Incense and Peppermints spelled out. Mm-hmm. A-N-D spelled out. That's the album. Okay. Incense and Peppermints with an ampersand is the compilation. Oh, good to know. Now, okay. Nick and I both made that mistake, and we listened to the compilation album, and both of us were going to sit here and talk about how just repetitive all their stuff was. Like, I heard all these yeah. songs over and over again. Still kind of true, but less true when we realized, oh... No, there's a real album called Incense and Peppermints. Yeah. Yeah, I had literally no idea, so I just listened to the compilation album. <laughs> yeah, we Fair forgot enough. to tell Tyler. Yeah, whoopsies. So. Oh, well. Which, Which I, mean, I honestly think the compilation I'm is better. i be honest with you, you didn't miss much, Tyler, on the album. <laughs> so, without further ado, the three albums we listened to were, uh, when we talked about 1967's Incense and Peppermints. Right, right, right. And then 1968's the world in a seashell and then also we listened to 2012's wake up where you are 
Correct. Those are the um, three that we listened to from Strawberry Alarm Clock. Yeah. So I'm going to just go ahead and be the only person here in the room who thought that this was interesting and good. Uh, so they're labeled psychedelic rock. They really are. It's super weird and out there stuff oftentimes from this first album ones that i would pick out particularly i like birds in my tree quite a bit i thought rainy day mushroom pillow was a really cool song with very cool harmonies okay um i would definitely say that the harmonies and just the interesting instrumentations were the strongest aspect of this band on every album you always knew it was going to be psychedelic rock, but I never knew what was coming next instrumentally or vocally. And sure. I liked that. I liked that a lot. Guessing. Yeah. Okay. I know that Nick just uh, totally strawmanned uh, Tyler and I by saying we're going to completely disagree with him. I wouldn't say strawmanned. Um, I'll say this about the compilation album that I listened to. Uh, I went into this thinking that I liked psychedelic rock. <laughs> I okay. came out of this realizing I don't. Interesting. <laughs> really apt. Huh, I was <laughs> I was synced to the point. I get it. Uh so what I will say, I have a couple things. For me, I don't hate psychedelic rock. I thought they had some cool instrumentation at parts. I just could not get over how bad the vocals were on this album. I'm sorry. Okay. Like even the harmonies on I mean, they had good harmonies at Rainy Day Mushroom Pillow. Yes. However, for me, completely overshadowed by whatever the lyrics were they're psychedelic <laughs> yes and i understand but there's a way to make psychedelic happen musically and also have like a semblance of any type of lyrical sense yeah i mean i didn't okay. it's like they just threw darts at multiple pages of the dictionary and wrote a song on it well i didn't hate it that much i, mean, I, I didn't cool. i didn't hate it i i just i i guess my real thing with it was i just got bored really fast hmm I like one song in, I was already like, I'm ready for something else. Wow. Okay. Which sucks because he listened to the compilation, which had the which best song I thought, first. I thought that it was really good. The compilation had Infants and Peppermints as the first Which song. is, which by the way, like can't be understood. The fact that that song skyrocketed right to number one on the charts right away. Like it was number one in 1967 for a time. Incense and Peppermints. Hey, I'll say this. Not only, hold on real quick. Incense and Peppermints is not only the best song on this album. It's the best song they did, and it was the first song I heard, and I'll, then I listened to three albums. I'll yeah. say this. I could not think of a more perfect artist to listen to if you were going to get incredibly high. Which we don't recommend or condone. Fair enough. Because we're, we're not being sponsored. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, we're not being spot. Because sorry, listening, because meant... listening to listening to this. Wait, Tyler, did you just mean high on the marijuanas? Are you trying to? All right, let's... be funny. No, I really thought because it's psychedelic rock, you were trying to tell our audience to drop acid. If you're not yeah. telling them that, I'm more inclined to not. Fair well, enough. I, Although I would definitely be telling them these to do guys the, definitely were of the two things. <laughs> of the two things, definitely were of the two things, acid and marijuana. I would definitely say you're better off doing the one that's legal. So acid up. But um, <laughs> wait, what? Hmm? Don't it, just ignore him. <laughs> but, ignore like, him and move on. I don't know. <laughs> this their music honestly kind of made me fall asleep. Not in a just kind of like lulled me. Me too. Kind of way. Huh. I listen to it well, on the way to work. Okay. Look, I really liked it, and I liked their second album too. And there were some songs on there I liked even more. Like I really liked Seashell. 
I thought that was an awesome song. I really, really liked An Angry Young Man. I thought that was also great. I think we've uh, all been at that point in our life. was kind of cool. Uh, I liked Eulogy. I thought I thought the, the second right. album was really solid. Nick, I know you're going to give them a bunch of tens. I'm not. I just so, think that they're... Act- I'm the only one who actually enjoyed their music, so I feel like I should there say There is it. one thing I want to say, Tyler. I'm surprised you didn't say this since you listened to the compilation album. There is a song on the compilation album called Good Morning Starshine, mm. which young me, like when I was a child, I heard a quote from that and never knew. If you know the movie Charlie and the Chocolate Factory starring Johnny Depp, one of his most famous quotes from that is, Good morning, starshine, the earth says hello. Well, I, I think if, if you're trying to address something that people would be more familiar with, in the X-Files episode of The Simpsons, <laughs> it is the song <laughs> oh that the town of Springfield sings over the fan. credits. Yeah, I'm a Johnny Depp fan. That's why I don't talk about Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, that's fair. We all <laughs> like to forget. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, did uh, you guys have any? I mean, okay. I'm sure you're going to rip I, no, I talk this next about album, the too. World in a Seashell. Uh, could not, could not feel more different about it than the first album. Really? I really enjoyed it. Uh, oh, I, I feel was, so much better now. I thought it was okay. I really enjoyed it in comparison to the first album. I thought okay. it was okay. Um, I really liked Seashell. Again, mm-hmm. I still didn't think they were good on vocals. Um, Blues for a Young Girl Gone. Uh, I thought it wasn't bad. I liked the sitar, right? That was sitar and Angry Young Man. Uh, yeah. It felt like sitar. It sounded sitarish. I think you're right. Um, I have to look it up to be sure. Uh, and most of it, I you know, it was, it was better lyrically. A million smiles away was a better lyrical song. Uh, I agree that Barefoot in Baltimore was probably the best song on the album. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, all in all, I went from overt negativity to passive equanimity, which is well a, done. a huge improvement. Okay, fair enough. Tyler, are you in that boat as well, or did you continue to dislike it straight through this album? I don't, I just, the whole psychedelic rock thing, I again, like I thought I liked it, but I guess I only like a small handful of songs. Yeah, I was going to say, because you definitely have liked it in previous bands right. you've done. Yeah, I just don't think you like Strawberry Alarm Clock. Then maybe that's what it is. Maybe I'm maybe I'm harping too hard on the genre when I should harp on that. I don't know. I, it, it's not. It doesn't offend me. It's not like <laughs> you disliked them so much it questioned your love of the genre <laughs> itself. It, I mean, it 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 didn't like offend me in the way that like grunge often does. But couldn't disagree more with that. Yeah. So. You know, it's definitely not something that if it was playing at somebody's house, I wouldn't request it be turned off. I would not turn it on, but I wouldn't be like, oh, I can't be in the car with okay. you while you're listening to that. You're like, you got to turn that off. <laughs> well, let me ask you a question then. Did you think that their most recent album, Wake Up Where You Are, a lot of those songs were re-records of their earlier work. Did you Mostly like them better? Them. Most of them, at least, yeah. Did you like the 2012 versions more? No, because I saw that they were re-records, so I kind of went into it already sure. knowing mm-hmm. what what to expect. I don't know. Their most recent album, to me, just felt like a total fish-out-of-water album because I'm listening to that, and I was like, what year did this come out? Ooh, talk about missing the mark on when yeah. 
people needed and wanted um, this in their life. So I was because I know huh. you're going to say so. Yeah, okay. Uh, I have one, two small points about this. Please. Uh, all re-records, better vocals. For the most part. The not vocals, on everything. Not on everything, but the vocals were overall better. I agree. They really were more clear on the the weirder harmonies in Barefoot and Baltimore. They were more, they weren't like they were less slidey and more precise. Um but also why did you just release an album of re records? I get you improved on them, but yeah. nothing stellar enough to yeah. To, I don't. To really I don't. A full I don't album. feel like they improved upon the original songs enough for it to be a whole new album. That's, That's interesting because I actually slightly disagree because sure. I think when the Yardbirds did the same thing way back in like episode three, they were almost indistinguishable. Whereas. I right. definitely felt like the vocals and the instrumentals were cleaner and more well done on pretty much all of the covers. The only one that I said that I didn't prefer to the original was Sit With The Guru, actually. Right. Which um, I did not even talk about how weird that song is. But yeah, I but, like that song a lot. Yeah, but I thought it was a really good song. To I still, Nick, to I don't me, know why it came up explicit. Yeah. When I listened yeah. to that song, it came up explicit. Sure, I haven't it makes yet no sense. read the lyrics through. But I've listened to it like five times, and I right. cannot tell you why it came up explicit. I don't mm-hmm. know where the curse words are. Yeah, I don't either. I don't know. Some, sometimes they just throw explicit onto songs because they're on an album with yeah. other explicit songs. I don't think this is the case, though. I thought it was um, weird. Yeah. But, Maybe Apple just couldn't. I mean, I listened to it on Amazon, but not a sponsor. Yeah. Right. Uh, see, my, my whole thing was like when I was listening to it, I didn't feel like they were re-records. They just sounded more like... Somebody went back to the original tapes, okay, and just processed them again. It just didn't sound different enough to me. Sure. Like I definitely heard the difference in vocals, but mm-hmm. again, you know, with with audio editing technology the way it is nowadays, don't get me wrong. I'm sure they actually did go into the studio and re-record these numbers, but uh, it, it almost older. but it almost makes me go. Well, why'd you even bother? You could have just given all the your original tapes yeah. and remastered yep. and put filters over you guys to fix the voice. Re- it it I mean, listen. I think some of the instrumental takes were genuinely different. Okay. Like, they didn't just play exactly the same solos and parts for every single song. Also, another note that was on this album that we missed from the earlier albums because it, you know, it was only on the compilation sure. is Tomorrow, which I thought was actually one okay. of their strongest songs for, in the whole discography. Now, please... I would love let's grade to them. start grading. And oh, let's grade them. Can, we're not going to give them over a one, right? We can't give them over a one. I mean, they, they had, had one hit that only was on the charts in '67, and if it was at, after the year 1967, you probably never heard that song again. Unfortunately, it was Incense and Peppermints was on the charts at number one for one week. This has got to be so because they and I'm thinking into the future when we're going to cover a bunch of artists that don't even have a song that charts that could be considered a one-hit wonder that will have to be like a point one. Yeah. But they can't be that much higher than a point one either. No, I would I would legitimately be thinking point five. I think that that's probably Our lowest spot lowest cultural on. impact because... Yeah, it's got to be. I ran the test this time. Mm-hmm. Um, I talk, you know, about uh, us doing the podcast, you know, at work and... Things like that, and without fail, they always ask, "Oh, who are you doing this week?" Because I mentioned I was recording today. Yeah, and I said the name, and they went, "Who?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Not a single person knew who this band right. was, including people who were alive in the sixties. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, so Breath of Work. They released five albums. 
the interesting thing is that they put their first four albums out between 67 and 69 and then called it quits and didn't put anything out until the 2012 album that we listened to that was mostly re-records. So I would say at the end of the day, they really only have something like four studio albums, which has to put them below average. I would agree. So from there, I mean, I think we would maybe disagree to the quality of the songs and whether that should bring them up or down. I thought that the overall quality was pretty solid throughout. Not great, but I wouldn't bring their breadth of work. Please give me a number so I can argue it. Okay, so I'm in the between three and four range. Oh. Did you think I was going to go like somewhere higher than that? Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. No, I, I think their music is good, but no one really knows it. And it's five albums and really only four of them with new music relative to the six that we consider average. So it has to be below. Yeah, I think a three. I'm not going to argue. This is not the hill that I plan to die on. Thank so you. This next one, I would you say, talk, go ahead. Because you're going to talk and I, I would like to just get my point out. I am definitely capped out at a 5.2. You will not get me higher than that. Oh, I'm not. I'm not fine. Uh, I mean, I'm just making sure. Yeah, just wanted to be clear. So, I think that actually is a really good anchor for what what we're thinking because instrumentally, I think they were very good and unique, yes. and I l- really liked to not know what was coming and to see all the different kinds of instrumentations that they would implement. They were good, yes. but the vocals were not good so individually. Weird. I think that they were good because they no. did cool harmony things, but they Incorrect. were bad individual singers. You know what? I you see what I'm saying? Correct. Some like you can have people who are yes. not good individual singers, but, but when they can at least hit a pitch and on. harmonize, it sounds cool. Hold on, though. I fully do not put that here. I don't because I don't think that's an instrumental thing. I think the song wrote those harmonies interesting. Okay. I don't think they performed them well. Okay. I still wouldn't go below average really for them as far as I, on okay. their instruments. I, I was capped out at a five point two. My actual score is a four point seven. So I'm thinking so more like a five, but then I would like to maybe discuss the the merits of their instrumentations and harmonies as adding to their songwriting talent and instead. I will let you convince me. Okay. So we're Please gonna roll with the five me on songwriting talent. So I know that you're not gonna love how weird and spacey that it gets a lot of the time and that's fine but i would like to say like with many psychedelic rock bands there was maybe a style and like you had a general feel to what their tunes were going to be like mm-hmm. i genuinely did not know what each one of these tracks was going to sound like as it came up there could okay. have been a flute solo or there could have been you know a vocal breakdown of some sort or there could have been sitar thrown in there like it was very on the edge of your seat and it wasn't done badly whether you liked or disliked the songs they weren't doing a poor job of creating interesting instrumentations sure tyler what do you think i really i'm trying to not be mean fair enough you were being quiet and i figured yeah because because you you were upset to them i i didn't like it and that's okay. okay i'm gonna be honest i really didn't like it that much either i understand nick's point of view on I don't. Songwriting. <laughs> well, songwriting in specific to the organization of the, of the, the music, yeah, not necessarily me enjoying the songs themselves. Correct. They were different. They were unique in ways. 
Right, for instance, I would but, never argue that Bruce Springsteen wasn't a good songwriter just because I don't particularly like his music. You know what I, I mean? I understand that. Well, yeah, so but he's, score are he's a national treasure. Well, I would hardly disagree. You know, I, I don't even want to get... Movie. I watched yeah, that movie too many uh, times. I would recognize him. Okay. Uh, songwriting talent. I am like... I would like to put push them at least to average with how interesting they were. Because I know that You're it hurts them. Five. Yeah. I know that it hurts them to not have... Like radio hits and stuff like Here's that. Here's what I'm going to say, Nick. I will give you a five here. Okay. But you will take my score for the next one. That's you have to tell me what it is first. So nope. it's a fair. Look, it can't be. It's bad. All right. It's a bad score. I'm gonna I'm gonna put a five, but I'm still gonna argue with you over okay. Tone. All right. I want to hear what you have to say. I listened to three albums, four, three and a half really, because I yeah. listened to the compilation album. Right. I listened to. I actually also listened to Wake Up Is Tomorrow from 1968. Please, Nick. I'm not just talking lyrics, mm-hmm. but it's poetic talent. Correct. They cannot get over a one. They're so bad. <laughs> they're they, they're not telling stories. They're just putting no. words together. Yeah, that's okay. not a poem or any type of poetic anything. Fair enough. It has to be a one. Okay. And a one, I feel generous. I I thought put, you I'm were gonna go to like the lowest score. Um, Barefoot in Baltimore and Incense of Peppermints had like a story behind them at least. Yeah, I understand. a little. I mean, Rainy Day Mushroom Pillow. It, it again. I'll say it again. Dartboards at a diction or darts at a dictionary. Yeah, I will say I was never not entertained by their lyrics. Yeah, but they weren't poetic. I mean, what am I? I there's no defense for for where I'm at. Right? Like I mean, I'm trying to defend them, but pretty, I mean, I've got Barefoot nothing. in Baltimore, where the lyric is "No turn unstoned." <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, that's great. Like what? That you don't get it? I get it. Oh, I get oh, it. I was gonna. Say, I think that's kind of cool, actually. Um, All right, Nick. Just because they're your new favorite band, they're not my new favorite band, and I'm still between one and two, honestly. Okay. Because I was, I'm a hard one. If Tyler okay. somehow jumps, he's in not going to. He, he hates them. So I'm fine. I'm hey, not. Look hey, again. Hate. This is not the hill I'm going to die. Guys, <laughs> hate, hate is a Can strong. Can we give negative X factor points? Hate no. is a strong word. Without Strawberry Alarm Clock, I don't know if we would have the iconic soundtrack to the Austin Powers films like we have. Interesting call. Granted, they didn't do the soundtrack. But it sounds <laughs> like they could have. Also, can I say for X Factor Point, John Mulaney mentioned Strawberry Alarm Clock in one of his stand-up specials. Uh, absolutely Does that count as something? Tyler tries no. to push off The Simpsons, and John Mulaney is he way better. He never succeeds. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> The Simpsons is a long-running television show that's that's some would say has been on longer than anyone wanted it to. You be. know who else Someone is probably a long-running that, yes. TV show? The Lemonheads. So yes, anyway. I agree. <laughs> Let's just do Lemonheads. Uh, the Lemonheads are an alternative rock band from Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, they were formed in 1986, and they have been off and on, mm-hmm. uh, 86 to 97, and then 2005 to the present. Right. So what a roller coaster this was. Oh my gosh. The tale of three bands. Yeah. <laughs> entirely. Like, seriously. Uh so and I know how passionate you are about Hate Your Friends. Okay. So I want Hate you to Hate Your start. Friends is a dumpster fire. That was really nice. That was nicer than what I would have said. It's an absolute dumpster fire. It's like somebody listened to the Ramones and went, I can do that, and for the first time ever picked up instruments and made an album. None of it sounded good. The lyrics. Yeah. I'm were... like remiss to even compare them to the Ramones for this album. No, but you'll you'll hear 
the inspiration. The second album, for sure. You'll hear the ins- your inspiration of Ramones, where it's yeah. just like simple guitar and yelly. Like, if I just yeah. take the Ramones at their most bass without any reasons that they're good, yeah, this is what I get. I agree. Simple instruments and yelly. Yeah, it's like super hardcore punk. And the only thing that I can say about this album that's not incredibly negative is there are people who exist that like hardcore screaming punk music yes. that's just anger it's in music. It's just not us. But I um, couldn't stand any of it. My only it redeeming quality for this album, the only one, is that they were 20 years old or younger mm. when it came out. Interesting. That's I it. thought it was interesting that they squeezed 20 songs into a 37-minute album. Yeah. So that's a thing. It was quick. Yes. Thankfully. Yeah, thankfully indeed. Uh, I I can't I and here's um here's honestly, I don't want to talk more about this album, yeah. Tyler, unless you disagree with us. Oh, well, I have some uh, some opinions. Okay. Give us your opinions because I will tell you why I'm so bad, like so mad about this album. Okay. So I believe it was on the album Poodle Hat, where Weird Al Yankovic wrote a medley polka called the angry white boy polka. And I'm really surprised that he called his polka that, and it wasn't just a medley of every song on this album. There is <laughs> so much angst happening here. Yeah. And, like, Nick brings up hardcore, but that's not the vibe I get. I've listened to some hardcore alternative rock. I get more of a... punk. Well, punk, whatever. I mean, Apple has it listed as alternative. Interesting. Um, I guess technically they are listed as an alternative rock band. I've li- I've but listened not for this album. I have listened to like some punk and heavy metal and stuff like that, and like I believe the anger of the lead singer in those bands. Uh, this just feels like a a bunch of kids who's never had a bad day in their life but think they're really cool. <laughs> I yeah. I get where you're coming from. And they're they're going to swear a lot because oh. because that's that's cool. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong about that. Yeah. The last song is called So I Effed Up. Yeah. No, it's not. It's just called Effed Up. No. Well, it's called So I Effed Up. I guess it depends on where you download it from. This album is d- very difficult oh, to find, by the way. Yes, I, I understand why. But here's I just want to say the number one reason I'm so pissed about Hate Your Friends. Go ahead. And it's because of how really, really good It's a Shame About Ray was, which is the second album. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it was so good yep. that I looked, I made sure and I compared all of the different members of the band right, right. to see who had changed, including the lead singer, because all of a sudden the vocals were really good. Well, yeah. and, and it's funny yeah. you say it's that. the same guy. Yep. It's funny you say that because... On Apple Music, they actually have, if you type in the Lemonheads, you get two options. You have the Lemonheads or Lemonheads. Hmm. Now, if you click on Lemonheads, you get such hits as Hate Your Friends, Lick, Creator. Interesting. And that's all you get as far as bands go. But then when you, I'm sorry, as far as albums go. But then when you go back and click the Lemonheads. That takes you to albums you've heard of, 
Huh. Yeah. Fascinating. <laughs> That's okay. It's like even they knew, even they knew if you're I a fan up. of the Lemonheads, <laughs> you're not going to enjoy Hate Your Friends. No. We're going to no. put that under another under, under another category. Dude, I'll say a couple pieces about this. I didn't give any specific songs in the first album because they can all They were all burn. terrible. Yeah. It's a shame about Ray. Loved it. So much better. Literally insanely better. Insanely better. Uh, Rock and Stroll. Great song. Great opening yes. song. Great overall song. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a shame about Ray. Like, dude, what a song. I was yeah. so impressed. I, I was totally so agree. impressed. I loved it. Same thing with Rudderless. My drug part. buddy was big to me. Like, yeah, my drug buddy was also really good. Like, all these songs, all of a sudden, I was like, this cannot be the same group. Yeah. And it was. It was the same group sung by mm-hmm. the same dude. Yeah. And I couldn't believe it. Right. Also, the bonus track re-release on this was their most famous song, which, which is a cover, yeah, Mrs. Robinson, which is, Mrs. Robinson. And they do a really good job with it. Yes. Um, yeah, after after listening to their first album, mm-hmm. I was very tempted to just not listen to the other two. <laughs> yeah. And I saw Nick after listening to all of Strawberry Alarm Clock and the first album of the Lemonheads, and I was yelling at him. Not yelling at Sure, right. But, but you were I was, clearly I was upset. like, Nick, why would you put these in the same episode? I'm very mad. And then, and then you I were was like, like, it's a shame about race so yeah, great, you were though. Like listening to the ne- you were like, listen to the next one. I'm like, fine. And I did, and I'm like, okay, good. Yeah. So, do you guys have anything else to say yeah, about Yeah, right? one other track that I'd just like to pick up is Allison Starting to Happen. I thought that was just like the coolest song about starting to fall in love yeah. with somebody. Like, just the way that he, like, oh, this is starting to happen. Like Allison's starting to become a thing. Like I think I might like her. Yeah. I thought it was an interesting and different way to approach what could have been a same old, same old type of song. I get where you're yeah. coming from. But I liked every track. I so mean, I thought I'm it was gonna great. Move us in for the sake of time. Sure. To the last album we did, which is Varshans Two. Right, and Varshans and Varshans Two are all covers. Right. Not that you would have known. And I do just want to say that yeah, they're very obscure covers. Very obscure. Part. One popular cover on this album. Yes. Uh, so, uh, by this point, the entire band is different. Mm. The only original member of the Lemonheads is Evan Dando, the lead singer. Okay. Uh, the entire band has turned over other than Evan Dando. Good to know. Just wanted that to be clear. Yeah. Um, it's almost a solo project at this point. It kind of yeah. feels, and I'm not using this comparison musically, it's very Panic at the Disco. It's just the one guy now, but he keeps the name. Okay. Uh, but again, not comparing them musically. I did not like this album. Not nearly as much. Not nearly as much. And I was very upset because I really liked It's a Shame About Ray. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, covers. He's older. Um, his voice is uh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. The only recognizable song on this for us, and we all are pretty musically inclined, yeah. was Take It Easy, Correct. a cover by Eagles. Which was one of the weaker covers on the album, I felt. Very weak, because for the most part, he sang it an octave down. Yeah. And that's not a song that holds up sung an octave down. Yeah. Like, it's a, it's a good song, but it's a simple song. Yeah. And, you know, part of it is that it's, like, up in the range. It's like a Bobby mm-hmm. sing-along, too, and nobody wants to hear that song. Like, it just feels more depressing <laughs> Yeah, when it's lower. I would say uh, Speed of the Sound of Loneliness was, was one of my favorites on the, this album. I, I thought was that like was still only, pretty good. I really, I wasn't going to be highlighted. I was going to say it's the only good song. 
but it was a yeah. really good song. It was a really good song. And um, sometimes I just, I just want to. There were out some now. things vaguely redeemable. Like it wasn't all bad. I just to make it clear, like the tracks were like, eh, all right. And then there was that one that was really good. But it wasn't like these were. There's nowhere to compare to the first album in terms of how bad it is. Yeah, no, I, no. I, I still felt like listening. I mean, listening to this, I didn't, I didn't enjoy it nearly as much as the second album yes. that we covered. Yeah. I mean, I as much as I liked the second album, I don't know how much of that was actually due to me liking it so much as me liking it in comparison, in comparison to the first. To the first. And and I think mostly, I, 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 I think, liked it. yeah, I mean, I liked it. I'm not going to seek it out anytime soon but sure. i think it is a really good representation of the genre yeah. that they were going for okay this mm-hmm. i feel is just a few steps down from that mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. not nearly as <sighs> i don't even know what how to articulate the point i'm trying to make here it just it wasn't forgettable but it 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 didn't capture me okay at all I was just listening to it, and I was like, I mean, it's competently done. Sure. Yes. But it's not. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah, And I will say that coming into this, my I did actually know the album It's a Shame About Ray. I have listened to it before, and it was always good. Like, I liked of it the course, first time I heard it without the context. Of like, course you knew this, because otherwise, yeah. how would you put this in the episode yeah, fair enough. if you had never okay. heard that album? Okay, fair enough. Uh, before we get started with scoring, okay, I just wanted to say my notes about this album. Uh, Speed and the Sound of Loneliness was a John Preen cover. Right. Really good. Uh, made me listen to more John Preen, and he's really good. Yeah, he will be showing um, up at then, one point. Uh, track nine, Round Here, mm-hmm. was the only song on the list where I went, that is better than the original. Uh, well, that is a Florida Georgia line cover. It's and not a high bar. He, his like, acoustic, oh, I'm sorry, it's a band, their acoustic cover uh, I'm starting to think of them just as Evan Dando at this point. Sure. Their acoustic cover, um, you know, just more like guy and guitar feel to that song was mm-hmm. significantly better than the country version. Yeah. I don't disagree with you. Uh, so let's score them. Okay. Cultural impact. It's also going to be low because it's not a band that a lot of you guys have I heard mean, of. Typically, I was the only way, one who had heard of them coming in, I assume. The way that I look at cultural impact, I will be sticking with it. And that is, I look at. Sales thresholds. They do have two golds, two gold records. Yes, I look at sales thresholds, which they have two golds, and that's yep. worth a point. No yeah. platinum, so it's worth a point. Right. And one major hit, and that's worth a point. Okay. Uh, and But I don't think it's worth a full point because it's, cover. it's a cover. And uh, so I give them a 1.5. I'm not going to argue that at all. I think that's totally fair for them. Yep. Breath of I Work is will, also low. I will yeah. argue that. Oh, really? Only oh, because I haven't said anything in a while. Sure. <laughs> I think it should be a 1.4 or a 1.6, just so just I have a point to argue. Okay. You know what? Because Tyler said that, I will go 1.6. Very okay. good. 1.6 it is. And I'm Tyler, good with because that. Because you haven't spoken a lot, give us your score for their breath of work. Yeah, we'd love to know what your thoughts are. I mean,. How do you describe Lemonheads or The Lemonheads? They're two bands, according to Apple Music. (laughs) That, in and of itself, screams of existence (laughs) in the industry. Okay. Well, that's a solid score, then. Um, So that was a very average review, which is more than I would give the Lemonheads. (laughs) Well, to be clear, uh, just to hit our threshold versus coming back, correct? nine studio albums, 
the first one was hot garbage. The last two were covers, covers completely. So Which that narrows it down to six. Six. And I don't Which know how average. good they were compared to. It's a shame about Ray is obviously very good. It's definitely their best yes. work. I don't have to listen to the rest of the albums to be pretty sure of that. At some point, I probably will sure. just to check. I would like to also make it known that on their, I checked their second album really quickly just to see if like it seemed like they were moving away from punk. It doesn't look like yeah. they were. They also cover a Charles Manson song on their second album. Yep. And I don't know how to feel about that. I mean, I feel. Should I have we feelings. do a Charles Manson episode? I would <laughs> feel that I would give them four. I'm okay with that. I think that respects the fact that yeah. they did have good work, but most of it was unknown or forgotten to yeah. time. Four. Uh, Instrumental S- town is low. Is low. It's it's for me. It's low for me, dog. It's like a, like a two point two. I will say I liked his voice more as things went on. I'll I give him that. I liked his voice in one album. Well, it's a shame I about Ray's good. I did not love yeah. his voice in Varshans too. You can tell that he's gotten older. I hated at that point. his voice. Hated it. In hated it. Friends. Yes. But uh, there were two of them singing. Uh, in yeah, Hitch Friends. Well, I didn't. They like were both bad. They were both terrible. Both equally bad. Have we have we considered that possibly Hate Your Friends was titled that because it was an album you were meant to give to a friend you didn't like? Yeah, it could be. I mean, to that's... be fair, if they, if the, if the uh, concept of that album mm-hmm. was to stoke the rage of music, yeah, they win, right? Ten, okay, but so two point two for instrumental, I think, 2.2. is good. Songwriting is also going to be lower because all the songs were pretty bland and every song basic. Was bland. But hold even on. the ones that we really liked, I didn't think were it's like crazy different. I think there were they all the songs on that album were good, but it wasn't like a yeah. wide variety of interesting things that were happening. Correct. It was one I, type of song done well, over and over and over again. Yeah, I'm, I'm still. I might go like a three. Okay, I really think so because I did not, like. I yeah. did like it's a shame about Ray, mm-hmm. and I really liked the song it's a shame about Ray. But that's the only album that's got these songs that we think are really good right. that are originals. Which is why I'm thinking a three. Yeah, because it's still significantly below average. Mm-hmm. And considering their most popular song is a cover. Correct. That's never a good sign for your songwriting. I agree. Now, I will say the poetic talent on It's a Shame About Ray was much better than the other album. For sure. Obviously not their cover album included. I, I felt like more engrossed in the songs. I felt like something was being said much more or that there were f- true, honest I'm feelings that were coming out in that I'm going to be album? more of a realist. Okay. If you generously choose to not include the two cover albums, right, you have one positive album and one negative album, correct, which would lead me to average. Fair. However, more realistically, I can't disinclude the fact that they have two full cover cover albums and one album of pure garbage. Yeah, I agree. You can't you can't to. discount it. So, I'm in the, brings you a little bit below I'm the average range, possibly then. at like a four point one. Okay, I think that it because more than makes up for how bad and the cover the albums. They was. didn't really do anything uniquely different. Not at all. And their most popular even then, song it's is not a cover poems, of Mrs. Yeah. Robinson. Right. Where all they did was all you did was make it slightly more like hard that than is Simon correct. and Garfunkel, which is just three. You know, yeah. point nine. Well done. Okay, so I approve. All right. Uh, X Factor. There's not one. Yeah. Okay. Were Fair they enough. on the X Factor? They were not, I although not. that would have been an X-Factor. 
That just brings us to Stevie Ray Vaughan and Double Trouble. Yeah. Now, Nick, do you want to give the blurb here? Or would you like me to? Uh, sure. I don't mind giving the blurb. So, I just know that you like Stevie yeah, Ray Vaughan. Yeah. Stevie Ray Vaughan, I mean, he's widely considered to be one of the greatest guitar players of all time as an American blues musician who uh, played in the 80s. He came onto the scene really in 1983 at the Montreux Jazz Festival, where he was actually booed off the stage because they were expecting jazz, and all of a sudden this hard rock and blues band came on and the crowd wasn't ready for it. But now that concert is widely considered to be like one of the great live performances, as well as his live in Montreux concert in 85. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then, of course, his life was tragically cut short at age 35 in a sm- helicopter crash, I believe, which is you know unfortunate. But it's something that over the course of this podcast, we're probably going to have to talk about yeah. multiple times. Great musicians having say, their careers cut short in planes. I will say, seriously, reading the, uh, the death of Stevie Ray Vaughan, um, and I don't mean this in any type of, like, I'm not being disrespectful at all. I got serious Kobe vibes. Hmm. Small helicopter. Right. Probably shouldn't have been flying in the conditions, specifically right. dense fog. Sure. Uh, upon his death, uh, people were freaking out about who else was on the. Oh, like, yeah. Because when Steve Ray Vaughan died, everybody thought Eric Clapton also died. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, the big because hmm. uh, the big rumor was Clapton was because Clapton was with him that night. Okay. Yeah. The rumor was Clapton was also in the copter. Oof. I mean, so, could you imagine the blue genre losing Clapton and right. Stevie at the same time? So it, it would have been like, dead. It was like, you know, I'm just getting those vibes because, like, when Kobe Bryant passed away, everybody was like, his whole family was on board. Like, everybody, oh, well, this guy was on board. This guy was on board. And it was, it's that same yeah. thing. So I just got really, like, interesting parallels there. Yeah. Okay, um, that's good to know. So anyway, the the listening that we did for him, his yeah. first album, Texas Flood, his final album, The Sky is Crying. And then he had two other albums that were also tied for double platinum. So the one that peaked slightly higher on the charts was couldn't stand the couldn't weather stand the weather yeah so those are the three that we did um, and i would just like to point out that the sky is crying was released posthumously correct it was actually the first Stevie ray album that i ever heard as a kid it was the yeah. one that my my dad had growing up out, it was yes. arranged it was put together by his brother jimmy who yeah. will also do on that podcast at some point but uh anyway texas flood i mean i know i'm gonna have a lot to say so i'll let you guys go first with this stuff sure tyler would you like to actually go first on this one yeah, I would say that um, this was kind of like Jimi Hendrix meets Albert King blues in an era of synth and drum machines. I mean, Vaughn displays some superhuman chops in in barn burners like Rude Mood and his funky mm-hmm. instrumental take on the... I don't know. Isley Brothers. I think he, yeah, can Tyler, you have to give credit if you're going to read someone else's review, buddy. Yeah, cite your sources, my friends. (laughs) No, honestly, I, I mean, I liked it. I I was cited mm -hmm. directly from Apple Music. Yeah, okay. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. I I just want to avoid any copyright issues. We give them credit for that. I, um, um, honestly, I, I really liked it. Um, I enjoy, um, the, the blues genre. Mm -hmm. And uh, I definitely think he was a great contributor to that genre oh of God. music. Oh, yeah. One of the all time, I, I would say, especially for the 1980s. I mean, he he's he's no Blues Brothers, but. <laughs> all right, okay. Pat. So I just I will say a couple things. Overall, really enjoy Steve Ray Vaughan. I mean, arguably top five guitarist of all time. Easily. Yeah, but I'm I saying think you easily can argue in his the top position five. in the top five. You can argue him anywhere between one and five on that list I easily. I just want to be I very think. clear. 
Uh, I also would put him up there just for the stank face he has playing. It's the a guitar. great face. We talked about it. Uh, yeah. Speaking of his, speaking is... of his looks in general, though, um, uh, the point that I brought up that you guys didn't even notice at first, uh, he like as far as like his look and style goes. Oh my god, he definitely looks like if Elton John were a pirate. That's another thing that I literally <laughs> said right before the podcast that Tyler has yeah. stolen from me. For the record, okay. Song-wise, on Texas Flood, mm-hmm. uh, Pride and Joy is the most famous song. Correct. Uh, you've heard that one. I'm sure everyone's heard that yeah. one. Uh, for me, uh, Testify was was written by the Isley Brothers. I really enjoyed his. Uh, I really enjoyed his playing on that. Oh my god! I really just not to didn't be confused. Know I needed. Didn't know I needed his version of Mary Had a Little Lamb. It was bizarre. It was bizarre, and I loved how bizarre it was. I agreed. It was so well done, though. So, just had to put that out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, Nick, you and I, uh, as members of a band, uh, I'm Crying, we need to mash that up with Heartbreak Hotel. Interesting. Because the funny thing about the song I'm Crying is that it was literally just pride and joy again, but he said different yes. words. And that is my only complaint about this album, which is otherwise masterfully done. So, pride and joy just doesn't lyric, like uh melodically fit as well with Heartbreak Hotel, but we could theoretically mash all three. Right. But uh, it's literally the same guitar riff. It's it like is. not only the same chord progression, but the same riffs. It is, but, but if uh, you listen to I'm crying again mm-hmm. with Heartbreak Hotel in your head, you will yeah. hear how much it mashes up. Yeah. But not to to harp on too many of the same songs. The only one that or well two that were missing from what you guys had to say that I would like to just shout out, please listen to these. Lenny, the instrumental Lenny is just fantastic. And Dirty Pool was just like a different minor key blues that just brought a fu- fully sure. different feel to the album that was otherwise more upbeat until that point. Okay. And I okay. liked that. Uh, so why don't we go right into Couldn't Stand the Weather? Okay. So, I mean, th- this starts out with probably my favorite Stevie Ray instrumental. Scuttle Button is just unreal. Like, the man is a virtuoso to say the least to play that song, especially his live version. Uh, he opened his sure. uh, Montreux Jazz Festival 85 set with it. It's just incredible to watch him play this song. Okay. Like, wow. Also... Yeah, I do love his his feel. Oh, it's so good. Great breaks in Couldn't Stand the Weather. Like, super interesting. And his yeah. version of Voodoo Child's Slight Return might be my favorite. I was, it might be my good. definitive version we for that song. That. Tyler, why don't you give us your opinion? So I I really don't have much to bring to Stevie Ray Vaughan like you guys do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I'm, I'm able to to hear how amazing he is on the guitar, and and the way he kind of like plays with his lyrics and and stuff. Uh, to me, I'm a I'm more of a passive fan of blues than mm-hmm. an active like sure fan of blues. So this. To me, and I don't mean any disrespect towards him, but just kind of came off. I mean, same with his first album. I mean, basically, this just felt like a blues album to me, and I don't mean I that, that in a bad yeah, way. No, no, no. I understand where you're coming. from. I do, you know, because really, like my, I, I know I was joking before, but my introduction to blues as a genre was the soundtrack to the Blues Brothers, <laughs> and. Yeah. Other blues that I've heard since then is just kind of, uh, oh, I like this. It's blues. I've never yeah. really sought out any particular sure. artist of okay. the genre to try to, like, you know, well, we'll come fix up that with my definitive. We'll force you to fix that. And I believe we yeah. started with Stevie Ray. Yeah. Um, so my yeah. opinion, real please. Quick, I hope you say one thing that I that I okay. missed. I have a couple things that I want to say. 
Um, I also really enjoyed Scuttlebutton. I really enjoyed Voodoo Child. I thought it was amazing. Great. Uh, what I wanted to point out, uh, two different things. I loved the super different vocal feel of Cold Shot. Mm. It was very mm-hmm. different because when you think of Stevie Ray, you think of like Pride and Joy, where he's like really raspy. Right. Cold Shot was so much more reserved. Yeah. And like not ballady, but like closer to that than mm-hmm. you'd expect from him. Um, I really liked the soulful guitar in Tin Pan Alley. Oh yeah. I really enjoyed that. And I Stang Swang. I really wish that song was longer. Yeah, love the saxophone. So it was cool to hear I a different lead it. instrument exactly. on that. Exactly. So you missed the thing that I was hoping you would say, which oh. was the song Honeybee was by far his best lead vocal. Uh, you know what? I almost I almost said it, but I felt like I talked about his vocals enough. Yeah, Honeybee was just a I great really vocal. vocal great vocal. All right, I mean, the sky's crying. He's great. Yeah. Um Sky is crying. Like I said, it was my f- introduction to Stevie. Sure. So, so the the, the title culture. track, The Sky is Trying is Crying is like just one of my favorite blues songs ever. I absolutely love it. I think he does a very interesting instrumental version of Little Wing. Yes. It's enough that he made it his own so that like, you know, I wouldn't begrudge him that. I thought I it was very cool. I will tell you cool. that Little Wing by Stevie Ray Vaughan is the first Stevie Ray Vaughan song I heard. Oh, and okay. the first time I heard Little Wing. Interesting. Okay, so, so like, you, I, like it's it's one of my favorite Hendrix yeah. tunes. But it's I really one of my respect favorite Hendrix tunes now. Now. Yeah, okay. But I I always just, when yeah. I was younger, I was a child okay. when I heard it, and I liked the Stevie Ray Vaughan yeah. version and thought it was the original. Okay, yeah. I really respect what he did with it differently, even though the Hendrix version is still the definitive er- version, sure. unlike Voodoo Child. Empty Arms was just a great song, and Life by the Drop, where he's all of a sudden playing an acoustic 12-string guitar uh-huh. instead of an electric. It might be the best song on the album. It's so good. And it's just, especially knowing that it came out after he died, it has a bigger impact, I yes. think. So, uh, I'll say my couple things and then we'll let Tyler talk. The Sky is Crying to me. Uh, if you've listened to me enough or if you've ever had conversations with me about music, you'll know I'm all about the emotion. Listening to a song about the sky crying after mm-hmm. Stevie Ray Vaughan died in a helicopter oh, yeah. accident. Oh my gosh. I really felt it. It felt. I know. I know that he wasn't playing with that knowledge, but like we are listening to it with that knowledge, and you could hear remorse. Yeah, it was so well done. Yeah. Oh, can't um, so can't well knock the emotion. Yeah, you could feel all the emotion. He plays so well. I surprisingly really liked Chitlin's Concarne. Yes. Yes. And Nick will tell you, I don't typically love instrumentals. And it's got a little bit of a jazzierness to it yeah. than some of the other ones that are pure blues. Yeah. Um. So. And I also, again, I mentioned Little Wing already, and those are the three that I wanted to take note of in this album. So, Tyler, what are your thoughts? Um, similar to yours, except I didn't research anything about mm-hmm. him, so I didn't know about the plane crash or anything, mm-hmm. so I listened to this album without knowing. I had no idea if it came out post or, mm-hmm. or after his sure. death, uh, so... I definitely didn't have that same impact listening to it. I mean, I could hear the emotion and musicality to it. Um, But again, as far as like blues rock goes, since I'm not that active in the genre and it's more of a genre that I, that I enjoy almost in passing, I didn't have a whole lot that I took away from it. That was necessarily like, you know, this is the, you know, the definitive, the one, the thing. Yeah. Um, I, I did enjoy 
um, like Pat was saying, the uh, instrumental track in there. It was a great thing to just yeah, have all on. of his instrumentals and all yeah, three albums. Um, I was disappointed that track five, Wham, mm-hmm. was d- didn't feature a saxophone at all. <laughs> um, I get it, but uh, yeah, I mean, I mean that that's that's sort of my takeaway from it. And I'm, I'm I'm sorry to all the Stevie Ray Vaughan fans out there that I wasn't more um, engrossed or involved. It's just mm-hmm. it's not a it's not a genre that. It, it it's not a genre that I dislike, but it's not a genre that I have that, that strong affinity towards. I recognize that what I was listening to was good. I mean, sure. and yeah. and I use the word good in a, a very big way. So I agree with you, and I yeah. just want to say something before we start Please. scoring. I feel like we're going to agree a lot. Mm-hmm. Let's make sure that we're you know, being succinct a little bit. I agree. Nick and I have a tendency to wax poetic about a That's true. So, so first things first is cultural impact. I disagree and I hate you. No, I'm Yes. Uh, so again, Stevie Ray is going to be above average because he's widely considered, if not the greatest, one of the greatest guitarists of all time, and that helps pull him yeah. above average. The other point that I just have to make is he was popular in the 1980s. In the 1980s, blues music was not popular in any way. Like, blues was not the mainstream. It was hair metal bands. It was synth pop bands. Stevie Ray Vaughan showed up on the scene. So if you like Stevie Ray Vaughan, you're a hipster. Yeah. But Stevie Ray Vaughan shows up on the scene, puts out his first album in 1983, and every single one of his six straight blues albums goes at least platinum. The fact that he could take a dying genre and pump six platinum or double platinum records out of it speaks yeah. volumes to his cultural impact to me. Okay. Like, who else revived an entire dead genre for a decade? I, I hear you. I am not willing to go over, like, in the eights. Oh, no, no, I'm not there. Good, just making sure. Where are you at? I would say in the sevens. Thank you. Cause I'm 100% in the sevens. In the sevens. I just felt like I, I needed to like build up that case. Because the thing about Stevie Ray is that he's widely acknowledged as one of the greatest musicians of all time and to have brought blues back from the dead. But, you wanted, yeah. but if you ask people to name five of his songs, they might not, like not yeah. know as much. But his he's unlike Strawberry Alarm Clock or the Lemonheads, maybe, his name is uh bigger than the songs instead of the sure. songs being bigger than the name. I think a seven point six. That's my that's my I feeling. think that's super fair. Okay. Breath of work I six mean, platinum out. I mean but, but but like four double but platinum. But like think about but like think about that though. The the guy comes on the scene in eighty three and puts out six great albums and then just stops lazy. Oh my god. <laughs> oh. Which by the way, also Sound in eighty three he could have chosen to so after the his performance at the 83 Montreux Jazz Festival, David Bowie approached him and said, "Look, I need a guitarist to tour with. You're one of the best I've ever seen. Would you be interested in joining me and playing as and you know, he could have played with David Bowie and then just, you know, not really had this career written all these songs or tried to stick right, to reviving a dead genre. He could have just latched on to one of the biggest acts of all time yeah. and he said, "No, I'm going to do it my way with my genre." And that's incredible. Yes. Um Breath of Work 6 is average, all platinum is above average. 4 double platinum is Four a little bit platinum. more. Okay, so I mean, but I'm still in the I'm under a 7. Me too. Thank Me too. You. I'm in the I'm, I'm in the 6s. Like 6 7. I think that's t- Again, seven, six, six, seven. That's good. Yeah. Now, 
instrumental talent, as far as his guitar playing goes, I would I could be talked down to an eleven. I could be talked down to an eleven <laughs> out of ten. He is if if he's not in your conversation for the top five guitarists of all time, then you've never heard him play. All right. Let me look at some other scores. I mean, he's done. literally you Here's can't say, say that anyone you could say other people are about as good, maybe, as Stevie right. Ray, but you could never say this is a person who's better than him at guitar, ever. Here, here's what I'm going to say. Nick? Well, if you listen to Kyle Gass. Don't look at scores. <laughs> don't look at your screen. Sure, I'm not. Look at me in the eyes. Yeah. Who is a better person on their specific instrument, Stevie Ray or James Taylor? Stevie Ray. Good. Then he's a 9.5. I take it you're taking off a half a point for vocals? Yes. Okay. I am taking a half point off for vocals. Yeah, I just wanted he's you to be good, clear because he's obviously a 10 on guitar. Oh, he's a 10 on just guitar. He's a guitar. 10 on guitar. He's a 10 Easily. on just guitar. I agree with you on that. But and I'm also I'm also subtracting some points because it is Stevie Ray Vaughan and Double Trouble that we're doing. But and Double Trouble's very good. Yes, but they're not they so they average out. Okay. I mean, even if everybody else in Double Trouble is like a 6 okay. or above, they're still pulling down from perfect. Right. Yes, they are pulling that's, down from perfect because Stevie Ray himself is perfect, and I want I'm everyone saying. to know that we're clear on that. Songwriting talent, you would also be very high on them. Uh, I would. I think their songs are are very good. I think even their covers are composed in a different and unique yes. way. Um, it is blues. Uh, it's not right. like he really he didn't reinvent. He the doesn't wheel with exactly. He, he just, just brought the wheel back that to life. Wheel great. Yeah. Uh, so he's not like in that super high range for me, but I think everything he does within the blue genre, he does it about as well as you can. He yeah. did incorporate some different. He incorporated some songs that were jazzier. He incorporated a mix of minor and major to try to differentiate the songs on his albums. He's still above average. Agreed. And like we said, we liked every song on all three of the albums. I'm sure if we listened to the other three, we would like all those songs so, as well. We're not going to find bad stuff. Give me a number. Six and a half. Tyler, what do you think of that number? I like the fact that it's an even number. Uh, is six and a half, six is and not a half an even, even number. number, though? Well, Point five makes it an odd number. You didn't see, I'm not good at fractions and decimals, Fair but enough. I will say it is a number that is divisible by three. It is I not. mean, you're going to get you're a gonna get very strange number. Numbers. It's not. Yeah, but who's ever complained about a remainder? Are you really going to argue the math behind this or just take the fact that I enjoy the number and use that as the grade? I think he's trying to say that he agrees. 6.5 is good. Okay. Okay, now, Tyler, I'm curious because Nick and I are both kind of fanning out over Stevie Ray and you're more uh, reserved in him. Yeah. What do you think of his poetic talent? I don't think his poetic talent is that extreme. I, I don't think that he's written songs that have been genre redefining. I think he he plays blues very well, uh, better than most. But I don't think yeah. the songs that he's written are necessarily the best examples of blues. Okay, good. So before Nick and lyrically, I say anything, lyrically, mm-hmm. sure. I mean, yeah. Before Nick and I say anything. What number would you give to Stevie Ray Vaughan and Double Trouble's poetic talent? Just on their poetic talent alone, their ability to write lyrics, I would probably give them like a high three or a four, just because there's certainly not 
forgettable songs or pointless songs or songs that just cover the same subject over and over again. Okay. But none of them, I mean, and also you got to remember a, a, a good chunk of these, especially just the ones that we listened to were covers. So not mm-hmm. even theirs. So just yeah. the ones that were specifically theirs. I, I, I don't think there's too many of them that your, your average listener like myself would be able to recall the chorus or the lyrics to, or be able to kind of sing back to you. Sure. Yeah. I agree. It's this weakest category. I agree um, as well. I also, I mean, it's the whole, are you shooting yourself in the foot thing? No. He never wrote lyrics that were like actively bad or that I was like, huh, what did he just say? It was all just kind of there. It's something to sing yeah. along to while you're rocking out, yeah. basically. So are you feeling closer to average? I was feeling close because I just think back to when we did the Steve Miller band and I felt like super similarly as in like they just didn't do any damage lyrically right. and they got an average for that. Yeah. So I feel like he should maybe at least be in that neighborhood of average. So I would agree with you. Um, I mean, I understand if we average it out and it's a little bit lower. Nothing was a detriment. I really think I was putting him in between a four and a half and a five. Yeah. Because strictly I was at average for his writing, but a lot of the songs are covers. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. I was going to put him in between 4.5 and five. I am fine with that. uh, Like a 4.5, 4.6. Okay. Let's do 4.6. Um, X Factor, he definitely gets a bit. He gets one, I think. Part of it is that I mentioned that he took a genre that was basically, you know, nowhere near the mainstream yeah. and turned it into six platinum or multi-platinum records. And part of it is that he's got that lore of the guy who died young, yes. who hadn't reached his full potential, who was already basically the best there ever now, was, thinking, but died young anyway. I, we're not thinking five. No. I'm also no, no, not no, thinking no. four. No, no, no. But no. would you maybe think three or are you under three? I think if you combine the uh, the life he brought to the genre with the fact that you can't have a conversation about guitar without including him at the very right. top at the like, and then the dying young stuff that all maybe culminates into something like a three. I'm okay with a three. So Nick, okay, we have now finished the scoring. We I have. would like you to read us the scores. Funnily enough, this episode actually went directly in order. So, Strawberry Alarm Clock got a 14 and a half and ended up losing the episode. The Lemonheads, however, were not that far ahead with a 14.9. And then, and then Stevie Ray, both of them combined. Stevie Ray kills it with a 37.9. More That's, than the other two. And combined. honestly, a lot of Stevie Ray's score could have been higher had he not died young and had produced a lot more work and had he been able to been sing lower. a little bit more. It could have. It could have. You're Let's not wrong. Let's be honest. I That's mean, true. If the X Factor, some of it went away, and maybe he really trailed off later. Like, Possible. Who knows what would have happened. I mean, obviously, he would have always been great at guitar. But Yeah, but who knows yeah. what would have happened. I true. mean, seriously. Uh, but that's right. going to wrap it up for this episode. Uh, again, Nick, please, I don't love listening to bands I don't like. Okay. I, well, I think <laughs> Do better. next week you'll be in luck because yeah. uh, episode 10 will be the Cornellisode. So just be yes. prepared. The Chris Cornell deep dive is coming in in episode 10. So you can yep. just ponder what you bands can, we might be looking out. at in that case. You can figure out some of that. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to wrap us up. Uh, Tyler, do you want to say anything before I, I sign us off? Well, yeah, just uh, one thing. Uh, not, to, not to get too political, but I just want everybody to think about this. Lasers cannot blow up planets. Look into the Alderaan incident. 
Fair enough. <laughs> and don't forget to check us out on lowtotemband.com. I thought he was going to say that. Like the podcast. If you like it, uh, review it. If you want to review it, we would very much appreciate your feedback. Uh, if you do want to put feedback on social media, use the hashtag Totem Talks or even just direct message any of our social media, uh, which is on our website or our Instagram is low underscore totem. And yeah, that's pretty much it. But most importantly, have a great day. Go plug the merch. No. <laughs>